Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons today on the book of Ezra. And to that end, I invite you to turn with me to Ezra chapter 4. And these verses will also form the text for the sermon. Let us hear the word of God. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord of God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And now we skip down for the sake of time to verse 11. This is a copy of the letter that they sent him. To King Artaxerxes, from your servants, the men of the region beyond the river, and so forth. Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem, and are building the rebellious and evil city, and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. Let it now be known to the king that if this city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. Now because we receive support from the palace, it was not proper for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers, and you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces and that they have incited sedition within the city in former times for which cause this city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river. The king sent an answer to Rahim, the commander, to Shimshai, the scribe, to the rest of their companions who dwell in Samaria, and to the remainder beyond the river, peace and so forth. The letter which you sent to us has been clearly read before me. And I gave the command, and a search has been made. And it was found that this city in former times has revolted against kings, and rebellion and sedition have been fostered in it. There have also been mighty kings over Jerusalem, who have ruled over all the region beyond the river, and tax, tribute, and custom were paid to them. Now give the command to make these men cease, that their city may not be built, and the command is given by me. Take heed. Now that you should not fail to do this, why should damage increase to the hurt of the kings? Now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rahim, Shimshai, the scribe, and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. Thus the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. May he bless the reading and preaching of it to our hearts. Dear friends, faith, if it is real and true, will be tested. 
Abraham's faith was tested when he was forced to wait many years before he and Sarah had a son. Job's faith was tested when God allowed Satan to take away all of his possessions, his children, and even his health. Peter's faith was tested while he was walking on the waves and when Jesus asked him three times if he loved him. It's by means of testing that God refines our faith, ensuring that it is true. Well, the the Jewish exiles who had returned to the promised land experienced this as well. So far, things were going very well for them. They had made the long and difficult journey all the way from Babylon to the promised land, a distance of some 900 miles. They had rebuilt the altar in Jerusalem and resumed sacrificing on it. They had celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. They had laid the foundation of the temple. But within a short space of time, their faith, which was so strong, was tested. For not long after they completed the foundations of the temple, the work of rebuilding the temple was opposed. And it's to this subject that we turn our attention with God's help today. Our theme is the rebuilding of the temple opposed. And we'll consider, first of all, the offer that was refused, Secondly, the campaign that was mounted. And thirdly, the order that was obeyed. As I said already, the Jews were off to a very good start. They had just finished laying the foundations of the temple, and now they were beginning to construct the walls of the temple. And as they labored, the non-Jewish people of the land approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and offered to help. Let us build with you, they said. For we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Ezarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now the people who spoke these words were the ancestors of the Samaritans, who are mentioned frequently in the New Testament. Several hundred years before the events of our text took place, the Assyrians invaded the land of Israel, took the ten northern tribes captive, and scattered them throughout their empire. And in their place, they settled people from other lands. Over time, these people intermarried and intermingled with the Jews who were left in the land, becoming a new race of people. Now, as mentioned, when these people heard that the Jews were starting to reconstruct the temple, they offered to help. And they gave two reasons. First of all, they said, We seek your God as you do. Now, technically, this was not true. These people did indeed worship the God of the Jews, but they worshipped their own gods as well. Therefore, they did not really seek God like the Jews, for the Jews worshipped God and God alone. Secondly, they said, We have sacrificed to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, the reference here is to the time when the Assyrians transplanted them in the land from the far-flung regions of the Assyrian Empire. And from that time to the present, they said, they sacrificed to God. Now, this in itself was a red flag. For the law of Moses clearly states that sacrifices could only be offered by the priests who came from the tribe of Levi. What is more, they had to sacrifice on an altar that was consecrated for that purpose. But the Samaritans either did not know or care about such things. 
They sacrificed to God as they saw fit. And as such, their worship was not true and was not acceptable to God. Nevertheless, their offer was a generous one, and it came at a very opportune time. After all, the Jews had undertaken a massive project. They needed all the help they could get. And now, lo and behold, the people of the land were offering such help. And what is more, they had not asked for anything in return, free labor. It was an offer they could hardly refuse. But they did. For we read in verse 3 of our text chapter, But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us. So why did the Jewish leaders refuse the Samaritans' offer of help? Well, the text doesn't say. But it's not difficult to figure out. First of all, if they allowed the Samaritans to help them rebuild the temple, then they would have to allow them to worship there as well. But that was strictly forbidden. Only Jews could worship in the temple of the Lord, for they and they alone were the covenant people of God. Secondly, the leaders of the Jews knew that the Samaritans worshipped other gods. The Jewish leaders probably feared that if they allowed the Samaritans to help them, the people might be led back into idolatry. And that is something they simply could not allow. For it was idolatry that caused them to be sold into captivity and the temple to be destroyed in the first place. They were not going to make the same mistake again. They had learned the lessons of history very well. Thirdly, the leaders of the Jews probably rightly perceived that by offering to rebuild the temple, the Samaritans were attempting to assimilate the Jews into their own nation. They probably figured that if they allowed the Samaritans to help them, they would soon intermarry and eventually become one nation. Now for the Samaritans, that would be a real advantage. It would increase their political clout within the empire, while at the same time eliminate the Jews as a threat. But for the Jews, this was nothing short of a disaster. It would be the end of their existence as a nation. And the leaders seemed to understand this, and so they rightly refused their offer of help. Now, when doing this, the Jews passed their first test. Through the Samaritans, God was testing the faith of his people to see if they would walk in his ways or not. Now, to be sure, the devil was behind this too. The devil knew that if the Jews had agreed to the Samaritans' proposal, that they would have ceased to be a nation. And if they ceased to be a nation, then the Messiah would not be able to come into the world and then the whole plan of redemption would come to a screeching halt. But God, in his grace, overruled the devil and used these events to accomplish his own purposes. Now, what can we learn from this? First of all, we learn here how subtle temptation can be at times. Just look at these Jews. 
They had received an offer of help, an offer that they could hardly refuse with no strings attached. And how tempting that must have been for them. How tempting it must have been to accept this offer of help. But as difficult as it was, they refused. Now the same is true for us. Sometimes the temptations we face can also be very subtle. On the surface, they can appear to be innocent enough. But if we take the time to think it through, the consequences can be devastating. And so, dear friends, let us not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Let us be on guard against every form of temptation and flee from them as much and as quickly as we can. Secondly, we learn here that we must resist any and all attempts to make us compromise and to water down our convictions and beliefs. Now, this is precisely what would have happened had the Jews agreed to the Samaritans' proposal. They would have had to compromise their deeply held convictions. And the same can happen to us if we're not careful. How often does the devil not come to us and say, It's okay. You can indulge in this or that sin. All you need to do is stop being so firm in your convictions. Just give in a little. Go out with that young man or that young woman, even though they're not a Christian. Try this or that drug or drink. Take a quick look at this or that website. You'll like it. It will bring you joy and pleasure and satisfaction. Oh, do not fall for the lie, beloved. Stay strong. Be firm in your convictions, even if you have to suffer for it. The Jewish leaders, therefore, refused the offer of the Samaritans. Now, how did the Samaritans respond to this? Well, that brings us to our second point. As it turns out, the Samaritans were not very happy that their offer of help had been rejected. They were so unhappy, in fact, that they did everything in their power to put a stop to the work. According to verses 4 and 5, they did, they did three things. First of all, they discouraged them. Now, we're not told specifically how they did this. But whatever they did or said, it was discouraging. It sapped the Jews of their joy, of their commitment, and their energy for the work. Secondly, we read here, they troubled them in building. Now, we could also translate this as they made them afraid to build. Now, again, how they did this, we don't know. It's not revealed in our text. Perhaps they sabotaged their equipment. Perhaps they made threats against their lives. But whatever they did, it worked. It had the desired effect. The people of Judah were afraid to keep on building. Thirdly, we read here that they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Now, these counselors were probably professional lobbyists, high-ranking Persian officials who used their influence in the court to try to put a stop to the work in exchange for money. What is more, they kept these men on the payroll for many years. Our text says, All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, 
even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And that's a period of about 50 years. But even that was not all. They persisted in their opposition for decades. And we know that because in verses 6 through 22, we have the record of several letters that were sent by the leaders of the Samaritans to the kings of Persia. Now, these letters were written long after the events of our text took place, about 70 or 80 years after. They're included here merely as a sample of the kind of opposition that the Samaritans launched against the Jews at this time. First of all, in verse 6, there is a letter to King Ahasuerus. This is the same Ahasuerus who was married to Queen Esther and who ruled from 486 to 464 BC. Now we know nothing of this letter, only that it contained an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem, as it says in our text chapter. But what this accusation was, and how or even whether the king responded to the letter, we don't know. Following this, there is a letter sent to Artaxerxes, who reigned after Ahasuerus from 464 to 423 BC. And what's significant about this letter is its accusatory, even inflammatory contents and tone. First of all, in verse 12, we read that they reported to the king that the Jews were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now you'll notice they were not opposing the rebuilding of the temple. The temple was completed long before this. This letter was written, as I already mentioned, many years later when the Jews were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem during the days of Nehemiah. The Samaritans opposed this and even suggested that this was not in the best interests of the king. And they gave several reasons for this. They said, first of all, in former days, Jerusalem was a rebellious and evil city. And in verse 15, they add that it was harmful to kings and provinces and that the Jews had incited sedition within the city, for which cause the city was destroyed. They also claimed in verses 13 and 16 that if the walls of the city were rebuilt, the Jews would not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished, and the king will have no dominion beyond the river. Now there was, of course, an element of truth in this letter. In years past, Jerusalem had indeed rebelled against Babylon, which led to its destruction and the captivity of its people. But that was many years ago. The situation had changed now. There was no evidence that the Jews intended to revolt against the king, much less to pay taxes. There was nothing short of slander, but it worked. We know that because in verses 17 through 22, we have a record of the king's response. The letter indicated that the king had searched the historical records as requested and found indeed that the city of Jerusalem had been rebellious in years past. He also learned that there were mighty kings in Jerusalem who ruled over all the entire region, collecting tax and tribute and custom. Based on this, the king ordered the Samaritan leaders to put a stop to the work. And they did. And the work came to a grinding halt. Now as Christians, we are still facing great opposition today, also here in North America. We're not being openly persecuted, at least not yet, but we are under attack. 
In fact, Christians are the most persecuted religious body in the entire world today. What is more, Christian morality and ethics, which were once the bedrock of our society, are despised and openly rejected. Christians are increasingly being shut out of the public square. We have no say anymore, it seems, in in legislation that is pending in our various places of government. Christian churches are being vandalized and even burned to the ground, and very few, if any, of our politicians say anything about it. And we can expect it to get even worse before our Lord returns. But, beloved, we don't have to be afraid, for the victory is ours in Christ. You see, he too faced opposition all the days of his life. It even cost him his life. But on the third day, he rose again. And 40 days after, he ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of his Father in glory. And to him was given all power and all authority in heaven and on earth, which he uses to gather, defend, and preserve his people until he comes again. Therefore, dear fellow believers, do not fear the opposition that is out there and that you face sometimes on a daily basis. Don't be discouraged, but keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Keep on running the race that is set before us, knowing that one day, oh, may it be soon, we shall overcome. Therefore, these Jews, therefore, faced great opposition. How did they respond to this? Well, that brings us to our third and final point. Samaritans made every effort to put an end to the work of rebuilding the temple. And as we saw, they succeeded. And we read in verse 24, Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia, which was some 16 years later. This was the second test the Jews faced. They passed the first one, with flying colors, we could say, but not this one. Notice we do not read that they appealed the king's decision. They could have done so, since Cyrus had allowed and even commanded them to do this work. Nor did they cry out to the Lord to intervene. They meekly, humbly, and dare we say foolishly submitted. And as a result, the temple lay unfinished for 16 years, until the Lord raised up Haggai and Zechariah, which we hope to consider next time, the Lord willing. Now we learn here that when we are doing the will of God, we should not allow anyone or anything to stand in our way. Now I know that's not easy. And we'll face stiff opposition. And we may even have to suffer certain consequences. But friends, we must stand firm. If we do not stand firm for what the Scriptures teach we will eventually be defeated, and Satan will gain the victory. So let me ask you as I close, how firm are you in obeying God and carrying out his will? Will you obey his will no matter what? Or will you capitulate under the slightest opposition like these Jews did? Oh, we can be very bold when we are around people who think like us, But as soon as someone or a group of people confront us, we immediately backpedal or we say nothing at all. Dear friends, what we need and what the church needs today is courage. We need the courage of a Joshua and a Caleb 
who openly disagreed with the ten spies and encouraged the people to go up and conquer the land looking to the Lord. We need the courage of a Jeremiah who spoke the truth, even though his people, the Jews, the princes, the leaders of the people, did not want to hear it. We need the courage of a Peter who, when commanded to stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, said, we must obey God rather than man. You say, where can we get such courage? Well, such courage does not come from ourselves. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, who works it in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Oh, let us pray for that then. And let us be bold defenders of God's cause and truth in the days in which we live. The work on the temple ceased. Now we might think that that was the end of God's program. That God's program had now come to a grinding halt. That his plan to restore the temple and to restore his people in the land had come to nothing. But dear friends, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, our text hints in this direction. Verse 24 says, Thus the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem ceased. But then it goes on to say this, And it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Yes, the work on the temple ceased, but only for a time. Eventually it was resumed and completed, as we hope to see next time. What a powerful reminder of God's care for his church. The enemies may be strong. The forces that oppose her may be many, but the Lord will rebuild his church. And as our Savior himself said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Therefore, do not be discouraged, dear friends. Stand firm. Do not surrender. Take up the task to which God has called you, for he will be with you. He will protect and keep and strengthen you. His plan will be realized. His church will be built. And he will receive all the honor and the glory. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at BannerOfTruthRadio.com. That's all one word, BannerOfTruthRadio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Again, that's www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed on your heart a desire to help us offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 
Mount Lehman Road, L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can go to our webpage and make a donation right on our webpage. Our webpage again is banneroftruthradio.com. Please remember that the Lord would have his people come together to worship him. And for that reason, we urge you not to use this or any other radio program as an act as a substitute for being an active, contributing member of a faithful Bible-believing church. Thank you for listening. And now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.